Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, May 20th. In today's news, the strongest and most dangerous hurricanes are now far more likely because of climate change. EPA staff warned that mileage rollbacks had flaws, but Trump officials ignored them. And environmental activists defect from Emmanuel Macron's party, taking away the French president's majority in parliament. But first, the big idea. The wave of shutdowns and shuttered economies caused by the coronavirus pandemic has fueled a momentous decline in global greenhouse gas emissions, although one unlikely to last. As infections surged in March and April, nations worldwide experienced an abrupt reduction in driving, flying, and industrial output, leading to a startling decline of more than 1 billion tons of carbon dioxide emissions. That includes a peak drop in daily emissions of 17% in early April. This is according to a new study published in the journal Nature. Scientists have long insisted that the world must scale back carbon pollution significantly and quickly to mitigate the worst effects of climate change over the coming decades. Although none have suggested that a global pandemic was the way to do it. This situation has offered a glimpse at the massive cuts in global emissions year after year that would be required to meet the most ambitious goals set by world leaders when they forged the 2015 Paris Climate Accord. Consider this. Last fall, a major report from the United Nations estimated that global greenhouse gas emissions must begin falling by 7.6% each year beginning in 2020 to avoid the worst effects of climate change. But this new study released yesterday projects that total emissions for 2020, even with the coronavirus, will probably fall between 4 and 7% compared with last year. It's an unheard of drop in normal times, but considerably less dramatic than the decline during the first few months of the year when economies screeched to a halt. The final figure for 2020 will depend on how rapidly or cautiously people around the world resume ordinary life. The point, what this underscores, is just how far our world remains from the long-term aspiration for the cuts that the UN says are critical. For example, even with the extraordinary forced plunge in emissions because of the contagion, carbon pollution has only gone down to levels last seen in 2006. And the changes are unlikely to last. Rob Jackson, a Stanford University professor and one of the authors of this peer-reviewed study, says history suggests this is going to be a blip. The 2008 financial crisis decreased global emissions 1.5% for one year, but then they shot back up 5% in 2010. It was like it had never happened. Although the decline in emissions during the pandemic may have been unprecedented, it was relatively small when it comes to what's actually necessary to combat global warming. The peak 17% decline in emissions, which occurred in April, still meant that nations were generating more than 80% of their usual carbon pollution. Researchers say the experience demonstrates that broad structural changes to the energy system are critical if we're going to slash emissions in a sustainable, meaningful way. The researchers had actually hypothesized that they would find much larger reductions in the power and industrial sectors during the pandemic. Instead, many sources of carbon dioxide and other pollutants have continued steadily, almost on autopilot, even as much of the world ground to a halt. Appliances still run. Office buildings must be maintained. And some factories have continued to hum. There is a lot of inertia in our infrastructure. And although some aspects of life may change in the wake of this pandemic, 
more people working remotely, fewer people commuting and taking fewer plane trips, individual changes are unlikely to make much of a long-term dent on emissions. Already, demand for energy is resuming as people return to the roads and as many U.S. states begin easing stay-at-home orders that help drive the price per gallon of gasoline to less than $1 at some pumps. Governments are also expected to begin trying to boost their economies with stimulus spending in the coming months. But how leaders decide to spend that money could make a fundamental difference for the future of the planet. Some world leaders have pledged to push for greener economies in the wake of the pandemic. Last week, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson said his country's efforts to slash emissions remains undiminished by the virus and the economic turmoil it has caused. He singled out airlines during remarks to Parliament, saying the sector must limit its carbon emissions even when normal flights resume. And last month, German Chancellor Angela Merkel indicated that she will support green investments as her nation seeks to stimulate its economy. The Trump administration, meanwhile, is directing billions of dollars in bailouts to prop up several of the country's biggest polluters that would otherwise go bankrupt. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. We're going all in on climate change today because it's such an important issue that has gotten short shrift during the contagion. Number one. A new study provides observational evidence that the odds of major hurricanes around the world, category three, four, and five storms, are increasing because of human-caused global warming. The implications of this finding, published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, are far-reaching for coastal residents, insurers, and policymakers, as the most intense hurricanes obviously cause the most intense damage. The alarming study by a group of researchers at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the University of Wisconsin in Madison builds on previous research that found a trend, though not a statistically robust one, towards stronger tropical cyclones. Tropical cyclones are a category of storms that includes hurricanes and typhoons across the world. The findings are consistent with what scientists expect to happen as the world warms, given that hurricanes get their energy from warm ocean waters and water vapor in the air. Importantly, the new study observes that there is a statistically significant trend that matches the projections seen in computer model simulations of a warming world. The study finds a global increase of about 8% per decade of the likelihood that a given tropical cyclone will become a Category 3 or greater storm. 8% might not seem like much, but it is potentially cataclysmic for places like Florida. In addition to seeing stronger, wetter storms, there is also a trend toward hurricanes that suddenly make leaps in their intensity, much as we're seeing this week with Cyclone Amphan in the Bay of Bengal. Number two, in its rush to roll back the most significant climate policy enacted by Barack Obama, mileage standards designed to reduce pollution from cars, the Trump administration ignored repeated warnings that its new rule had serious flaws according to internal documents we obtained. The -the behind-the-scenes skirmish in late March between career employees and Trump political employees at the Environmental Protection Agency highlights the extent to which the Trump team has raced to reverse environmental policies by the end of the president's first term, fearing that the polls could be true, that Joe Biden is leading the president. Even as the coronavirus outbreak has hampered many other government operations, the Trump administration is increasing its speed as it tries to roll back a bedrock environmental law governing federal permits and working to open more public lands to oil and gas drilling. In recent weeks, the Trump EPA has opted not 
to set stricter national air quality standards, and it's poised to defy a court order requiring that it limit a chemical found in drinking water that is used to make rocket fuel and has been linked to neurological damage in babies. The agency also soon plans to finalize a change in the Clean Water Act that would restrict the ability of states, tribes, and the public to block federal approval for pipelines and other energy-related projects. The documents we got include an exchange between the EPA and the Transportation Department about the mileage standards that has not been entered into the public record, which is required under the law by the Clean Air Act. Number three. French President Emmanuel Macron lost his absolute majority in Parliament yesterday when seven members of his party decamped to form a new group focused on environmental concerns. In practice, Macron may still get his way in France's National Assembly with relatively little opposition, but the defections are a blow to the president, who already has his eye on re-election in 2022. Macron's popularity increased at the outset of the coronavirus crisis, yet has begun to recede. These defecting lawmakers from the left flank of Macron's coalition did not directly take issue with his response to the coronavirus, but they articulated a more radical vision of what should come next. This splinter group calls itself Ecology, Democracy, Solidarity. They said in a lengthy statement that nothing should be the same after COVID-19. This new group said it sees in the eventual aftermath of the pandemic an opportunity to exert more leverage in favor of a green policy agenda for social and ecological transformation. A spokesman for Macron attacked the defectors for their timing and accused them of disloyalty. As president, Macron has sought to promote himself as an environmentalist and a champion of the Paris Climate Accord. In recent months, his ministers told Air France that its bailout money would be conditioned on an agreement to cut carbon emissions. His government has also offered incentives to get more people biking and to keep car emissions low after the coronavirus restrictions are lifted. But Macron's earlier effort to increase France's fuel tax was shot down by those yellow vest protesters last year who argued that working class people outside the main cities were being asked to make all the sacrifices to meet the country's climate change targets. Looking ahead to the 2022 re-election campaign, Macron has used the pandemic as a chance to rebrand himself as a more compassionate president and to assure the public that the institutions of France's generous welfare state will be maintained. But the fact that the revolt we saw yesterday came from the left of Macron's party suggests that his own faction viewed these promises as hollow. Political power in France has traditionally shifted between a center-left and a center-right coalition. But when he ran for president in 2017, Macron created a brand new party, which he styled as neither right nor left. He handpicked each deputy, promising what he called a centrist revolution, which he also liked to refer to as a French third way. A common joke that still makes the rounds in Paris is that it's no coincidence that party's name, La République en Marche, which means Republic on the Move, includes Macron's initials. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, May 20th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. Stay safe. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.